0: everyone and welcome back and if you've newly discovered the podcast of course hi and welcome here um, allow me to introduce myself if you don't know me already my name is Emily Aborn I'm a content writer as well as owner and founder of she built this a woman's entrepreneurship community that is the place to be if you're looking for an authentic bunch of people that will be by your side every step of the way as you build your business Because as we all know, it can be quite a roller coaster sometimes. If you are listening for the first time, uh, don't worry, I will tell you a little bit more about She Built This in just a minute, um, especially as it relates to today's topic and my guest in our conversation. But I always like to start by getting a little cozy with you in the introduction and giving you a personal story or anecdote or a useless fun fact about me like last week to kick off the podcast. So let's get into that, shall we? Um, This past weekend, I slammed my computer shut at noon on Friday and went up to Maine to visit. I live in New Hampshire. I went up to Maine to visit my brothers, grandparents, nieces, uh, niece, cousins, and pretty much everybody else. Um, It's actually a brand new computer. So don't worry. I, I really did close it very gently. I have to just clarify that so that my husband doesn't worry. But Anyway, regardless, I turned off the computer and I left it behind. Now, I was born and raised in Maine, and a lot of my family still lives up there, and others were actually coming up to visit from Florida, where they now live, and I haven't seen most of my family in over a year due to recent events, aka 2020 and 2021. Now, I've shared with you in past episodes that I'm not usually a huge fan of traveling, I'm a sign-sealed-and-delivered homebody. I love my routines, I love predictability, and honestly, sometimes traveling just makes me downright anxious. It's weird because when I was a kid and even into my early 20s, I was about as jet-set as they get, but... In recent years, it's been just a little bit more challenging for me. So one of my middle names is Grace, and I feel like sometimes when it comes to traveling, I'm like anything but. However, that said, I was really, really looking forward to and excited about this particular trip and what I was excited about, what I was anticipating, it all came to fruition and then some. I had the best time. Uh, My niece Charlotte and I had just like an absolute blast. I cannot get enough of that child. I wanted to just soak up being in her presence every moment I possibly could. My brother and sister-in-law Emily and I played games and all together we did some like really fun stuff. Like we went to the local fair that my mom used to take me to when I was a little girl. Um, The fair, by the way, is ample people watching the opportunities. And Despite the fact that I get very motion sick, like even at the very mention of motion, I actually rode a bunch of the rides and had a great time. Some of the rides I rode to appease Charlotte and some just because I wanted to over and over and over again. Um, I also got to meet my cousin's new girlfriend. I saw my brother and his wife, my other brother and his wife. And I made some new friends, Daphne and Julie. If you're listening, I mean you and your fantastic welcoming crew. And after the weekend was done, I felt my heart burst about 60 times its normal size. It was crazy. And I promise I'm not like A Grinch. This isn't like a Grinch kind of situation, you know. I wasn't like walking around destroying Christmas in Whoville prior to this. I didn't actually know my heart could get any bigger, so I'm not trying to be like weird, but I just found that as I remained like really, really present with everybody all weekend, I was feeling feelings. Like a lot more strongly than ever before. And I'm not sure if it's just because I've been, it's been a while since I've seen everyone in person, or um, maybe it's some of the new things that I've learned over the past year. I don't know. Maybe it was the meditation I did on my way down, or maybe it was just like I put some of my control freak tendencies aside and I welcomed a little more go with the flow. I do not know exactly what to pinpoint it on, but it was definitely the key to me having such an amazing time. Like I felt fully myself and I also felt kind of strongly that when being myself was not entirely a match for other people and vice versa. It was like fascinating to witness. Um, So yeah, anyway, I was just like flooded with all of these feelings that I feel like you can really only get when you fully listen and give love and welcome connection in a entirely new way. It was really stunning. So as I was driving home, I was thinking about Other times that this happens, you know, because this happens to me uh, in my everyday life too, when my heart feels like it's just going to burst out of my chest, the feeling transcends like, screens. So it can happen over Zoom or like if I'm using Voxer or even when I'm texting a client, you know? I I think it just I feel these feelings of connection very like viscerally. I guess is the only way I can describe it. And I'll I'll give it to you like a little more tangibly. You know, when you're holding a baby or petting a puppy and it's just like legitimately too entirely cute and you can't handle it. It's kind of like that feeling or like catching a sunset and you cannot even do the awe of it justice with your iPhone camera or you read a book that transports you and you think about it all day long. It's I guess it's like that. It's the only thing I know to compare it to and I know I sound crazy right now and that is okay. I also feel these feelings of like, I'm just going to call it heart bursting. Whenever I see the members of She Built This come together, whenever I see them cheer each other on, whenever I see someone make a connection, uh, achieve something big or share a thought or idea. And really, whenever I'm just like, oh my gosh, that person is a hundred percent fully being themselves. I love it. So for me, I guess these are just feelings of like being awake and, and witnessing the human experience. Um, and I think it's really like, it kind of brings me to just the importance and of, of finding your community and finding one that gives you these kinds of feelings. You know, like this essence, this feeling is one that I strive to bring to life through She Built This. It's important to me that that group is full of people that when you're around them or learning from them or talking to them, they're the kind of people that just light you up from head to toe, you know, and they really welcome you coming home to who you are. Because I believe that the more we find these outlets, the more we connect to each other in this way, the more that we are going to just radiate out and be able to make meaningful ripples into the world and make bigger impacts, spark change, and come together and do really, really powerful things. So my philosophy or feelings are that we just really need more alive, loving people in the world right now. And my guest today, Ivor Edmonds of Saga Healing is going to share so much of this More succinctly and clearly than I can for sure. I know mine was like a little bit of a babbly ramble, but Ivor shares about how returning to our connection with the earth and to one another is a huge key to healing some of the things that we see on this planet around social justice, racial justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Ivor is the co-founder and chief wellness officer of Saga Healing. He's dedicated his life to addressing wellness in oppressed and marginalized populations. His definition of wellness involves trauma healing, racial justice, and respect for the harmony of the dialogue of energies in nature. And he's going to share more about what that means in this episode. And right now, he's offering a Healing from Trauma of Racism workshop series, which features interactive conversations that address the history of racism, trauma of microaggressions, and how to mindfully move forward as a leader in a post-2020 world. In this episode, uh, I'll be sharing about the workshop that he's actually adapted specifically for the She Built This community. And I will be the first to admit and tell you that for a long time, not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to be, it has held me back from doing anything around these issues and topics. And I've been just paralyzed because I was too scared. Or to do or say the wrong thing. And you might even hear some of that come out in this interview. I held myself back in, in asking some of the questions that I really do want to ask Ivor, but I am scared to say or do the wrong thing. And I'm not proud of myself for this. Um, I've seen others do it as well. They haven't taken the time to look within, examine deeply how their actions and their words affect other people and ripple out. And they've been putting off making the changes in their businesses and their lives because they didn't know what to do or where to begin. For me, it's long past time to listen, learn, and understand, and and really ask the questions that need to be asked and start to do the inner work. So I am beyond grateful to have Ivor Edmonds and his wife, Brianna, both of Saga Healing by my side, helping me to navigate this and educate me as a business owner and just as a human being about how to do my part in the areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion. In September, October, November, uh, She Built This is collaborating with Ivor to offer a three-part workshop series on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and um, if you feel like this is you and you've wanted to deepen your knowledge and understanding in these areas, I cannot encourage you strongly enough to attend. And Ivor's going to share some of his vision um, for the workshop a little bit in, in this interview too. He will also be sharing his thoughts on what's going well and where there still needs to be light shed on some of these issues and around collaborations and connection on the planet. And Ivor brings a really, really unique approach to this work that involves self-exploration, deep healing, and also tangible action steps. He is someone I'm extremely fortunate to have met through my sister-in-law originally, and then taking yoga with him. And we as a community, as a She Built This community, and women professionals and entrepreneurs, we are just incredibly lucky to be able to learn from him. So don't be like me. Don't let not knowing what to say or do be your excuse. And just uh, um, for your information, this workshop is open to all women in business. You don't need to be in the group. Um, it's $133 for all three workshops in the series. If you're already a She Built This VIP member, you get the workshop at no cost. And if you do want to sign up to be a VIP yearly member, um, before you do so before September 1st, and you'll also get the workshop at no cost. If you're not in the VIP group and maybe you've been kind of curious about it and this workshop is kind of like the nudge you need, um, you can check it out. You can check out the workshop individually and you can also check out the VIP group and what the member perks are at shebuiltthis.org. And I, I will have the link to both of those things together and separately um, in the show notes. But now without further ado, because I definitely a dude pretty far, uh, here is my conversation with Ivor. Hi, Ivor, and welcome to the She Built This podcast.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here today.
0: Yes. I'm I'm feel very honored that you are um joining me. And I read your bio before you hopped on, but I'd love to hear in your own words who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Um I guess the long and the short of it is I'm a healer or I'm really struggling, um, and learning as much as I can so that I can be I've, uh, uh, in that context, I have been in many different situations that require, uh, a healing perspective from working with gangs to, uh, working with homeless people to working with, uh, uh, community and police organizations, um, working with victims of violent crimes. Uh, I've been inside of prisons and locked wards, um, uh, especially since uh, since the lockdowns and since it's kind of a, an awakening that's happening throughout the country. I've been involved with a lot of conversations about police brutality, uh, so... You know that that's that's me in a nutshell. Uh, there are some particulars. I have a master's degree in applied healing arts. I've studied Reiki Qigong yoga uh, I've studied primitive living uh, I've studied with the Dogon priesthood so I have many different teachers and I'm still learning uh, herbal healing and learning how to learning how to participate with nature. Um, uh, more intimately, but um, it seems that I've been called more recently to uh, spaces where there seems to be a need for justice, social justice, racial justice, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, and that's that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. But I just wanted to say that, you know, with the background that you have, I think it gives you this ability to really approach the human experience in a, in a way with deep compassion. Um, and I really, really admire that about you. Like I've, I've just noticed that you, you view individuals and the humankind with a lot of compassion and I respect that. Um, so to start, let's kind of talk about this idea of collaboration and what your experience has been in working with groups, more being better than one, and like what those kind of ripple effects we can make when we team up with others and surround ourselves with the right people.
1: Sure. Um,
0: Nothing like diving right in.
1: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Let's dive right in. I'll start off with a, a um, a short traditional anecdote. And basically, uh, the father, will call him Abba, he he walks in on his son trying to lift something heavy, we'll call his son E.T. And uh, E.T. is very frustrated, and, you know, he's a, he's a small child, so he can't lift it. And E.T. has been trying all day, and he's been using all of his strength and all of his ingenuity, and he, he, he laments to his father, you know... I've been using all my strength to lift this and I can't. And his father says, "No, no, you didn't use all your strength because you didn't ask me. So uh, the lesson is that you know if we don't ask for help, if we don't use that power that we have to 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 be in community and work together, we're missing a large part of our strength. Um, there's another another uh anecdote and it goes the strongest person in the world if you add to that person whoever that person is uh the weakest person in the world together they are stronger Mm, right yeah so um
0: it's i i at the beginning of the month i did a podcast about collaboration and I the equation I use is simply one plus one equals something you know like it doesn't need to be two it doesn't need to be a million um but one plus one is greater than one so absolutely yeah
1: you know one hand can't wash wash itself it needs a second hand you know people no one can see behind themselves that's why there is uh more safety in communities you know if you're walking alone at night Versus uh, walking with a group of people, you, it's, it's uh, immediate and apparent, the power that there is in uh, groups of people. And especially when um, we're talking about collaborating and synergizing, and maybe even in a business context, um, uh, the examples really start to flow, you know, two businesses or a group of businesses working together, or even just a group of people working together. Their shared intelligence and resources is, um, especially if there's harmony in the group, um, is is always going to be greater. You know, uh, we're 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 social creatures. We don't. I mean, yeah, we can live alone and things, but usually we see. Uh, usually, I see in my in my work, uh, groups of people who are living together harmoniously. That's where you see see us in our best integrity. That's where you see uh, us uh, have the most creativity. That's where you see uh, the happiest babies, you know? So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really important to choose those collaborations with people that, you know, align with your values and what you're, like, looking to accomplish. And and that's in a business sense, but also in a social sense. Mm -hmm. And so, like, coming at it from that lens what are you kind of seeing as you collaborate with others right now and you see other collaborations and you just see like things happening in the, in the United States, let's just go micro, I guess. Um, what do you feel like is kind of like broken or faulty or defective right now and is not working?
1: Uh, as far as collaborations are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Anytime I see uh, groups of people coming together, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, having a family. Things are, when things start to mix together, when you bring two bodies together or bring a community together, there has to be some type of space for uh, us to be human. Um, A lot of the time, I feel like uh, there's resentment or... There's animosity or there's arrogance or uh, there's other um, uh, um, presumptions that people are bringing. Um, And really, I feel like if we leave a small space for us to be able to kind of make mistakes and allow the differences the differences between us to come together and learn for a second and create some type of harmony, then, then I feel like there can be, there can be a, uh, something shared and productive that comes out of the conversations. But it's really when people, when there's no room for tolerance, when there's no room for patience, when there's no room for, for learning, I feel like that's when, uh, uh, learning before we necessarily get to the main objective of of whatever the the group coming together if there's not that little bit of space there the little bit of tolerance i feel like uh things kind of go sideways you
0: know? yeah remembering that people are bringing their human selves to the table and yeah. like i love the con- i love changing judgment to curio- to curiosity and being open and trying to really understand and learn more about people rather than just say oh well they're different than me or that's wrong I'm right you know
1: yes absolutely and the values that people are bringing you know uh it's important to hear them and listen to them and uh you know agree on a shared set of values Mm -hmm. you know so that uh Yeah, so that everyone can be respected and um, that we can be as harmless as possible as we're moving through these uh, really challenging times.
0: So yeah, so what do you let's let's like flip this to the positive? What do you see going well or or right right now?
1: I see. I see re- people really starting to. Maybe because they have to or maybe because uh, of the the natural disasters or maybe because uh, there's an awakening happening or maybe because of some things that I haven't named. But I see people starting to have a respect for nature Mm -hmm. and starting to have a shared understanding that we're all kind of in this together. Um, And, you know, some I know some folks will say, hey, it's too late. But uh, no, I think we're still alive. I don't think it's too late but um, our, our I see this collective perspective coming out where we're starting to realize that we have a relationship with the planet and we have a relationship with each other that really uh, um, needs to be respected. I see a lot of indigenous groups coming out of hiding and bringing their values back to the table. I see a lot of, um, people starting to speak up and take risks that I uh, wouldn't, would have never expected 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, I've been involved with uh, discussions about police brutality for about 20 years now. And it's a surprise to me that everybody else is involved in these discussions as well. So, yeah, there are a lot of positive things that are happening. Um, yeah.
0: So can we dive in a little bit on the nature piece? Because I really want to hear, like, that is something um, that I think is unique, at least to the way that you talk about these issues. Um, So can we talk about nature and why that connection is so important as a starting place?
1: Sure. Um, We... Someone asked a question. I was I was at a lecture a couple days ago. Someone asked a question. Hey, do you think we're really going to go back to an agrarian society where we're all, you know, living on a sun clock and eating out of the ground, and you know, we're all doing like agriculture and stuff like that? And it was just kind of funny to me. I was thinking, all our food comes from the ground. Like we may not see it, but it still comes from the ground. All everything that We have is is provided by the earth and and by nature, you know, and uh, uh, the healing that I'm involved with and the healing that I and the uh, healing work that I do. The deeper and deeper I get into it, the more that I have to be in accord with natural principles, the more that I have to look to nature as my example for how we're supposed to live. Um, the deeper I get into involved in healing work, the more I understand it's about fitting correctly into, into nature. And that's where mm. once you kind of fit correctly into nature, um, fit harmoniously into nature, try to envelop yourself in nature, try to um, be a part of those large energetic cycles that are happening, um, be closer to the food that's coming out of the small herb garden that I have. You know, try to buy things off of farms, try to reduce the amount of plastics that I have and, and be involved with um, uh, uh, kind of helping us develop a shared understanding that we are a part of nature. And there was a, I feel like there was a point in time, maybe it started a while ago in the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, as we move through, we see this advancement in technology And we've seen this at different periods in history. You can see it with uh, the pyramids. There was advanced technology that we still can't understand. But, you know, I feel like uh, maybe we moved a little bit too far away, a little bit too far away from nature and um, did too much pollution of the waters and the rivers and forgot how we're supposed to respect animals even, even the animals that we uh, may use for food sources, like we're supposed to treat them better. And I feel like you know, on a macro level and a micro level, uh, all of these lessons are pointing us toward, hey, we have to be, and we're we're also a part of nature. So listening to our bodies is a really big part of that. You know, listening to our sensitivities, paying attention to what's going on and to our own feelings and not ignoring them um, uh, and trying to be in tune even with our own bodies. Uh, it's, um, all of this is pointing us toward like, us the reality that we are a part of nature and that really um the best way for us to be is to be in harmony with that dialogue um with the with all of those energies so
0: yeah when you were talking about um the rivers and it it does seem like everything that we're doing it's like with an effort to defy nature or harness it or control it or like make it work for how we want to live and you know, even when it comes to our bodies, it's like we see people doing this all the time where they're ignoring it rather than listening to what nature is actually telling them to do.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, All right. So let's tie this in with your work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And for those who don't know, you know, I know that the word, we use the term DEI a lot. Um, so for those who don't know, that stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of what you do in this area for organizations and individuals? And then like, let's kind of make a nice circle and tie that back in with nature. Sure,
1: sure. Um, uh, there, There's a... There's a racial reckoning happening in a way that I haven't seen it happen in organizations now, in 501c3s, in for-profits, in government organizations, that I I never really expected, expected people to be paying attention to it like this. Um, what I do inside of organizations often is there's a lot of trauma around this. There are people that are... Um, have been hurt by uh, being excluded and hurt by the racism and and systemic isms, Um, you know, and it's not just racism, there's sexism showing up, there's all sorts of isms showing up. So there's a lot of trauma around that. And uh, there's also a lack of, um, uh, I don't know if ignorance is a, negative word, I don't mean that to be negative, but there's a lack of knowledge about history and about the history of um, the history of racism, the histi- history of systemic oppression. And there, there seems to be in a way that there hasn't now some attention from um, the C-level, from boards and from uh, chief executives and things like this where they don't know what to do, but they wanna do something. And they're putting money aside to do those things, and they're uh, creating space to do those things, but they don't know, um, they don't have the knowledge or the history or the experience or the trauma-informed lens or the racial equity lens uh, uh, perspective to be able to deal with those things. So organizations are calling calling me and others like me in to help to uh, reconnect with with values that are outside of their paradigm reconnect with um, values that are life-giving uh, reconnect with deeper understandings of trauma reconnect with maybe histories that were lost or overwritten and try to examine their policies procedures um, practices their people their resourcing their systems so that you know as they're moving forward they're not continuing there's a recognition uh, a recognition that they they've been doing damage and they don't want to continue to do that uh, the, you know in in nature when you're going to look for medicine like when you're going to look for medicine herbs or you know even if it's uh, uh, insects and things like that whatever whatever natural components that you're looking for it's the diversity where you're going to be able to um, find what you need, or find what that patient needs. You know, it's not, if all the plants were the same, <laughs> we, we wouldn't have the diverse medicines that we need for, diverse, for the diverse sicknesses that people experience. Um, you, I was just uh, reading an article in Scientific American and they were talking about a particular tribe and they were talking about how in that area there were 1,332 different species of potatoes that that tribe was taken care of, and that uh, if the government comes through and tries to does its version of conservation, they'll make it a monocrop, you know. Whereas what the landscape needs and what's healthier for that environment is for the people who are living there, those indigenous people, to to do the things that they have been doing and know how to do. And uh, honor all that diversity so that it stays there. Yeah.
0: And going back to collaboration, like that's what makes a good collaboration great is having people with different perspectives and different skills and bringing their different, you know, walk of life to the table and experience. So I I agree that it is where we cannot make (laughs) a monocrop out of our society, essentially. Right.
1: Even in advertising you know, you'll see, which is like, kind of like, you would think it's way removed from some of the things we're talking about. But if you have only one type of person making the advertisements, you know, that that's when you get this homogenized, you know, kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, it's almost septic, um, you know, the way that it goes out, where the, the creativity and the uh, imagination and the uh, the new ideas that's where they're coming from is when you have diverse inputs so.
0: can we can I so I know we're gonna get into some of this um, in the workshop which we'll talk about in a little while but can I ask you a question about that like when it comes sure. to advertising mm-hmm. and you see companies like let's talk about stock photos for example so what are some of the Like best practices and also what are people not really doing right when it comes to using stock photography? For a lot of business owners, I mean, this is something that I see them continuously struggling with.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stock photos that you see that are out there, um, I mean, you're going to see a lot of images of white people, right? As opposed to images of all the other different types of people that are out there. one of, the things that, one of the things that people are doing is that they'll shadow the, the, uh, the, the folks that are in the photos to kind of make it uh, a little more ambiguous. Uh, or you'll see only one type of person. Like, for mm-hmm. example, uh, you'll only see people that have Barbie figures as opposed to the diverse figures that women have, you know, or you'll only see uh, a certain age range as, as opposed to everyone being there. Uh, even when it, I'm looking at natural photos or what I'm looking at, so, you know, you'll see, I'll see these photos that they have, uh, uh, and they're all vacation spots, right? They're all the same vacation spots that we have been taught that are the places that we're supposed to want to go to and want to see. And I'm looking for pictures of nature and it's like, it's always got a road through it. It's always got development on it, things like that so it's just it's it's uh you know it's when you're looking at the photos you can see the mind of the person taking the photo you can see their perspective but their perspective is is singular and it's often um it was often learned at school or it's often demanded by the industry that they're in and it often requires uh a lot of those photos and things require a certain level of income, and a certain level of institutional backing to be even be able to get to those places to take them. You know, yeah. it's like, well, who's who's getting that backing? So, and, and we're kind of yeah. shown
0: that this is the, you know, this is normal, and you need to compare yourself to this standard or this, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to. I'm. We're going to circle right back to that in one second. Um, sure. But you did say something. You said that you didn't expect people to be paying attention at the level that they are. And I'm really curious to know why. Um, and then like kind of why you see that now is the time that that everyone is doing this work around, not everyone, people are doing this work sure. around diversity, equity, inclusion.
1: I, I'm i not sure I know exactly why. I mean, I can name some factors that I see that are helping. Um the internet has proliferated uh, to a level where everybody has access to it. Um, I used to work with homeless people and all of my homeless people always have better phones than I did. I was like, how is it, you know, but I mean, it obviously like, it's easier to get a phone than it is to buy a house, right? So that's why, but the uh, technology is, especially uh media technology internet technology like cell phone technology it's everywhere it's even in uh you know it's even in the bush for better or for worse i think it's probably maybe i don't know maybe it's neutral i guess it's a tool and it depends on how it's used but now there are voices that are able to come out even in remote places where there may have been according to a western first world standard poverty there um but now even they have access to the net. So ideas can now spread at light speed and images can now spread at light speed. And not just the photos of people being shot and killed, but the uh, the uh, values that people have been holding. The uh, There are folks who remember how to live in harmony with nature. There are folks who have very, very deep spiritual traditions. Um, there are folks that... Uh, uh, either because they were lucky or because they were very strategic, um, never let development get to them and they're able to come out. So I feel like that, in addition to the natural disasters that have happened, um, in addition to the, uh, we're able to now see uh, uh, very clearly um, parts of our society that maybe we thought we were hidden. Uh, we're able to see the institutional racism we're able to see the bigotry we're able to see these things and uh, you know there are times when uh, we were told everybody's the same forget about color let's just be colorblind and by implication that meant hey let's let's also uh, be blind to whatever institutional or whatever hidden um, Uh, uh, mechanisms of oppression that may be there, I feel like because we can talk and see these things and they're recorded, we can't escape them anymore. You know, it used to just be the television networks that gave us our media, but now we're giving each other um, our own voices and our own ideas. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like I equate it to the hallways I equate uh, a lot of the internet to the hallways in school, in the high school where I grew up, and, you know, it, it was a lot of noise and a lot of just kind of like teenage angst coming out and a lot of, uh, uh, but those those social media um, platforms are now able to get information out and set people up to be able to speak, and we're able to see the good and the bad without... We're able to see the good and the bad, and it's like it's not ignorable now. So there's also some astrological things that are changing. I think the Earth is um, not waking up because the Earth is living. It's always been awake, but the Earth is uh, waking us up, I feel like, um, in ways that it hasn't before. For example, we thought there was no climate change, especially in Texas. We thought there was no climate change until all the power went out during the middle of the pandemic because of the ice, the ice freezing, freezing all of the power lines. So there are these things that are happening that, uh, that are happening in nature that are happening in social movements or that are happening that, um, yeah, I think that it's woken people up, you know, when, uh, and
0: I I think there's a, there's a, there's a large, I don't know if it's, truly a larger number or it's just a larger number that I can see. but I feel like there's a larger number of people that are championing and cheerleading these important messages too and and saying yes, we want these to have a voice and so and, and that is probably also due to technology and social media. It's just like we're yes. able to see now more of people cheering that on.
1: yes and as people as people look and research, the information is out there. You have to kind of sift through more garbage, but there are resources out there that people are getting to. And yeah, uh, people are championing in a, in a way where they're not being, um, it used to be in the sixties that if you had a message, there was a group, um, pro that would come and try to stop you, arrest, arrest you, assassinate you, uh, Uh, tie you up with false charges this is on the fbi's website the redacted documents are there they're very easily accessible you can look at the history but it used to be that there was someone trying to stop these messages from getting out and it feels like we're at a period of time where um no that's not taking place people are really waking up and like Mm -hmm. there's there's a genuine opportunity for us to be able to make some changes in our own behavior and in our relationships with ourselves our relationships with nature so And I'm just glad that we're able to kind of do this and move forward in a way that isn't, isn't, isn't so violently opposed.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's, um. Let's talk about like specific examples as business owners where we're kind of dropping the ball despite all of these positive changes um, on taking the action that we need to and how that's not just harming, you know, maybe it is harming our business, but it's also harming people around us. And we for we are going to get way more into all of this in the workshop. Um, but this is just kind of high level.
1: Sure. Sure. Um- to be specific, I would really, I really would want more, you know, when, especially when it comes to the workshops, we'll have a time to talk about our businesses and, and like get into the nuts and bolts of it. But when you look at the people, like most businesses are run by people, when you look at the people who are running the business, is everyone the same, you know? And it's like, okay, I hear business owners saying, so now I have to look for, uh, you know, uh, I have to look for a person that doesn't look like me, or the person that's a different race than me, or a person that's a different sex than me, or or look for differences now. Like, why? Why am I doing this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Or when I'm, uh, uh when I'm doing my research, like for for those businesses that do have uh, research that's going on, when I'm doing my studies, when I'm, who's participating in those studies? Like, where am I getting all of my data and, and metrics from? When I'm looking at my suppliers, where, where are those suppliers? How far away are there? Um, is there a way, you know, some of the, some, some of what, uh, there, there are really two different things that I, I like to look at. It's like, who is involved, right? Who are your customers? Who are your suppliers? Who are your employees? Who is your leadership? And then, what is your effect on the planet? How far away is the stuff that you're sourcing coming from? What is the uh, carbon footprint that you have? You know, uh, What are your harassment policies? Um, uh, what does your advertising look like and what communities is it going to? Are there communities that you have um, uh, never thought had money but Coca-Cola knows they have money, Nike knows they have money, so they have money, but that you never thought had money that maybe you could do business with, but you're not. you know. So those are, in general, those are the types of things that I, I, uh, I think are important to mention. Also, fiduciary responsibility, every, every business owner knows that term, fiduciary responsibility. The bottom line is generally numbers. I mean, we have uh, are they called uh, B Corps now, where the, there's a triple bottom line: people, profit, and planet. So there was that type of movement in in at least the academic business world to to look at more than just what the financial cost is, but really, it's like are, if all of your decisions are made. Um, just with a dollar sign um and not looking at uh what your impact is on life either on the planet or on uh or on the people then yeah i think that there's a problem there
0: yeah so like i mean you wrote down in in the notes we had back and forth to each other it's, it comes down to cutting corners and not being curious about the difference and the impact that you're making and treating other human beings as numbers basically in dollars rather than human beings.
1: Correct. Absolutely. And it's really, um, when we, when you start to look with a different lens and you start to seek these opportunities What I find more often than not is that there's money at the end of those trails. You know, when you start to open yourself up to more diversity, when you start to open yourself up to more creativity, when you start to say, "Okay, you know what? This decision is going to cost me, right? Um, But it's going to help a group of people over here or Mm -hmm. it's going to reduce my impact, uh, my negative impact over here. I find that at the end of that there's usually some type of financial financial um i don't want to say reward because that's not why i'm trying to get people into it but my point is is that uh if you start to make ethical decisions and you start to make decisions that protect nature and that uh, include more diversity in what you're doing usually you find that your business also grows that it grows in ways that are more organic and more creative than Even uh, you thought when you were making your business plan or at your last, uh, you know, your last uh, annual meeting. So, yeah.
0: I think some of that goes to, you know, when people see that you have a strong value system and you stand by those values, people that are aligned with those values are drawn to that. So a lot of it definitely comes from that. And I, I really love that perspective, actually, because I don't think we think of that. I think we think of it as a sacrifice.
1: Right. And and there, yes, there is a, a little bit of a sacrifice, but then, you know, you'll start to see, you'll start to see those businesses flourishing in harsh environments, in harsh climates, in climates where supply chains dry up and things like that. You'll see those businesses still standing where the franchises that are out there, they start to close, you know, so, yeah.
0: Um, All right, so let's talk about, so we're going to be going over a lot of these things in way more detail. And like you said, specific to people's actual businesses, Um, Ivor is doing a workshop series for the She Built This group, which is kicking off in September. And we're going to be learning together um, some of the history of racism and some of the ways that some of even the small ways that our actions are causing trauma and also a very specific action plan for you to create your own diversity, equity, and inclusion statement and and stance, I would say. Um, did I miss anything that you feel I need to include in, in sharing about the workshop?
1: Uh, there's going to be a lot of healing that happens at that workshop. I, I really do believe And, um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want people to miss, miss that opportunity. You know, um, uh, I guess there could be a notion that, um, I'm just going to tell people what they're doing wrong. That's not, that's not that, that first of all, that's not effective. (laughs) And second, um, Uh, It's not, it's not the reality. I really want there to be uh, a growth for everyone that's there. And uh, there's going to be a lot of healing that occurs. And I think it'll be, um, uh, I think it'll be a space where, where the learning creates organic growth in people's businesses. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I'm I'm I know that you have things like resources that you're going to be talking about and sharing, and like things that people need to work through on their own. As far as journaling, um, I think it's going to be a really great opportunity. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's talk about the Earth Center and Ini Center, which is where the prophets. Did I say Iini, right? <laughs> A, yeah,
1: INE A- 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 Institute, yes.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. um, so that's where the profits from the workshop are going to be going. Let's talk about why those are so important for you.
1: Sure. Um, both of those organizations are international organizations, and they have at their head um, uh, indigenous uh, elders or indigenous leadership, uh, spiritual leadership, um, and that leadership is what's running the organization, which is very important for me. Um, they, those organizations uh, are both international. One is based in Peru, the other one is based in Burkina Faso, and they have, uh, you know, uh, they have different branches and locations. Um, those two organizations are really uh, near and dear to me, not only because they they still hold all of the healing wisdom and they still hold all of the uh um, herbal initiations into the herbal healing and herbal medicine and they still go back out into the into the uh either the amazon or into the bush in in, in west africa and 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 live in harmony with the landscape there but in addition uh in their more urban settings they are giving us um a lot of the education that brings us back to the principles that preserve life and then you'll see projects that they're doing with uh, people who are incarcerated with land conservation with uh, pregnant women with uh, uh, housing justice with um, uh, the preservation of uh, of indigenous knowledge with uh, well projects with um, uh, schools that they're building, with uh, projects they they have for elders or that they have for um, people who have passed, you know, funerals and things like that. They they do uh, a lot of good work, and I've been a part of those organizations for uh, years now, and really, they have helped me to be able to bring a lot of this information to to. Uh, she built it, and other or other groups who are asking me to. To come and help, like I rely heavily on uh, those um, indigenous principles that are really—they—they uh, they have worked for generations to preserve under lots of pressure from development, from colonialism, from imperialism, globalism, all the isms that you want to name, and they've been able to keep these, um, keep these kind of pure, pure principles. Uh, for us, and I really uh, want to see other people have access to that information. I want to see their projects flourish and grow, and um, I want to see uh, um, all of us have a very close relationship with nature. and. You know, one organization is obviously a Latino organization. You know, it's um in Peru. The other organization is a a, a black organization, uh, an African indigenous uh, organization in Burkina. But each of them, when you go inside, everybody's there. You know, it's not just one type of person. You know what I mean? You have white people, black people, Indian people. You know, people who are of, of mixed race, people who don't know what their heritage is, and um. Yeah, they've been some of the warmest and most intelligent um, uh, communities that I've been a part of. So I wanted to share those and help them to flourish.
0: I think it's a really welcome reminder that there is like so much good that can be generated by us. You know, we see we see a lot of negative things on the news, on social media. And it's so important to remember that, like, as a community, as individuals, we can make an impact for good in the world.
1: Yes, we absolutely can. And um, yeah, I think you said it best. So yes, we can absolutely make a difference.
0: I guess that kind of leaves me with uh, the last question I want to ask and then give you a chance to share how to connect with you. So, you know, I think some people listening might feel like, well, I am just one person. I am just one individual what can I start doing today that's going to make any sort of change or positive impact?
1: Okay, so that, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Uh, Scientific American just did a study. My sister has me looking at Scientific American every week. She, she uh, has us in a study group, so we study the magazine. But anyway, there were some studies that happened there, and they were looking at what makes a successful social movement. Is it the fact that there are big backers, big donors, or big uh, financial resources from from uh, people who we would call part of the system and part of the leadership? Or is it uh, like, what is the, you know, they were investigating what makes a good, what makes a successful social movement, either in the Latin world or in the United States or in Indone- what, Indonesia, what makes a good social movement, uh, not a good one, a successful one? and what it kind of boiled down to was, no, it doesn't require lots and lots of people. No, it's not the financial resources there. No, it's not the court cases or laws that are passed. No, it's not um, sponsors. Um, no, it's not a, a, a certain like leadership that comes up and, and, and does it. What makes a successful movement is one poor person who has a story that has inspired them in such a way that they never run out of energy. They never run out of uh, steam. They found that you, when you look at movements and see what makes them successful or where where is the common thread in those successful movements, you'll always find like one or two or a very small group of individuals who their defining feature is not that they have uh, money or education or resources or connections or any of those things or skills or access. No, what they have is a story. It may be a story about a holy drama. It may be a story about heroism. It may be a, a story, but some type of story that inspires them to be like, no, we we can make a difference no I uh, do have the motivation and the energy to keep getting up every day and keep chipping away at this. That is what they found at the center of all of these successful movements. So what that means for us and people who are listening is that no it it really can start from you. you know yeah, hey, maybe you don't know everything. Hey, maybe you know there are other, there are other things that need to manifest and need to coalesce and need to, you know, there are other collaborations that you'll need. But if you uh, if you have the the motivation and the inspiration, that's really where those the, the, the common thread in those successful movements is, is the ins- inspiration in a, in a very small core group of people that doesn't die when the money dies, that doesn't die when they get no's, you know. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really coming back to the why behind what you do. Yes. Which I know that that goes both ways for people. There's people that that don't think that you need a why. So the, the I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um that's another story for another day. Sure. Um okay, <laughs> so let's just to wrap up. Why don't you share um how people can find and work with you and if you are still doing yoga how people can um become involved in that too?
1: Sure. So my website is sagahealing.com. That's S-A-G-A-H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com. And you can find me there. I have a library of wellness classes that's available on demand. So you can purchase a membership and you'll have access to Reiki, yoga, Qigong, chair yoga, Pilates, um, different classes that are there that you can have access to whenever you want. And if you want live access to me, uh, I'm teaching uh, Saturdays at 9:30 a.m. There's a yoga class, and Wednesdays at 6:30 p.m. There's a Qigong class. If you want to uh, reach me on, excuse me, attend a live class with me. Um, and the last thing I would say is for people who are looking to do diversity, equity, and inclusion, social justice work, or looking for uh, a speaker, um, email us directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can either go through the hello at Saga Healing link, or you can just use my name, Ivor, I-V-O-R, at sagahealing.com.
0: Well, thank you so much. I really just want to say I appreciate you and Brianna so much. I'm, I'm so grateful that you... Are both taking time to work with me and to help the members of She Built This do this healing. And um, I just, thanks for taking time to be on the podcast with me today.
1: Absolutely. And to uh, Emily, I would like to say thank you for having us. You know, you, you have provided an opportunity for us to really get this work out there. And for everyone who's listening, I really want to say, I realize that you have other things you could be doing now with your time and with your energy. And um, I really appreciate your attention. So thank you as well.
0: To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.